This is Hashtag Authentic, a podcast for online creatives. I'm Sarah Tasker and this is episode 8. I believe that every serious Instagrammer, blogger or any sort of online creative needs to have and be building a mailing list. So today I'm going to be talking about why and how to get started if you haven't already. Hello, thank you so much for listening and can you believe that this is episode 8 which means I have been making this podcast now for two whole months. That blows my mind a little bit. Especially because when I started, I thought that I was going to be just recording them monthly instead of weekly. So I'm really far ahead on my schedule right now, which is nice. It's been and it continues to be a steep learning curve. But I really just want to say a big thank you to everyone who has commented and emailed and messaged and tweeted and left reviews and just has been so kind about whatever it is that I'm trying to do here because it's been stressful. And as I've mentioned, I don't love doing anything new. And the fact that I'm still at it two months in is 100% down to the fact that you, my lovely listeners, have been so, so very nice about it. I feel like we are in a big, slightly bizarre hashtag authentic gang right now. (laughs) Okay, so on to the episode. This week, we're really talking mailing list 101. So this is for people who don't already have one, for people who think they maybe don't need one, or for people who kind of have one but aren't really doing anything about it. Over the last three years, I've worked with hundreds of makers, writers, photographers, shop owners, bloggers, creatives, all of them through my Instagram coaching and my e-course programs. And every single one of them would benefit from having an email marketing list. I'm sure there are people out there who don't need a mailing list, but in my experience, it's not you guys. If you're listening to this podcast, if you're working to grow your online audience and you're trying to share your message with the world in new ways, then you almost definitely need to listen to this episode and think about introducing a mailing list to what you do. So today I'm going to talk about that. If you already have a mailing list or you are a super pro and are already using lead pages and opt-in, then this is probably going to be a little bit too basic for you and you might not need a lot of what I'm going to say. But the reason I'm talking about it today is because I think mailing lists are becoming increasingly important. They've always been important, but now perhaps more so than ever. And so I feel really passionate about helping people to grow them, to think about them in different ways. Um, so that they're there to support them in whatever they're building online. So let's start out with why. Why do you need a mailing list? So for the completely uninitiated, a mailing list is a collection of email addresses that you gather up from your audience in order to be able to contact them about updates on whatever it is you do. So updates from your blog or your work or your shop. So why does someone on Instagram need a mailing list? You might be wondering. Instagram is the way you contact your audience, right? So why do you need to collect their email addresses as well? Well, here's the thing. Instagram, like most social media platforms now, is increasingly algorithm-based. We know that. We're going to talk about the algorithm, I imagine, in many, many future episodes, and it's already come up in a lot of the ones that we've had. And all of social media is going this way. We know Facebook have been doing it for a while and has kind of never been the same since. Twitter will now sort your timeline into showing you what it deems the most interesting content first. And although Twitter do give you some options to turn that setting off, I find it automatically defaults back to that system every month or so, which means it's actually really difficult to ever truly opt out of it. So this is the future. Even our inboxes now are arranged by algorithm. If you're with Gmail, those promo tabs and all those things down the side, 
Gmail is deciding what goes into which category. The people who are sending the emails are not choosing to put them in there. It is all algorithm based. It's based on the data that they're gathering about how you engage with your emails and the content within each of those messages. But the good thing, at least with email, is that is something we can have a degree of control over, we can test and we can play around with. So on Instagram, approximately 20% of your followers, I think it is at the moment, will see anything you post. So when a post does really, really well and becomes a little bit viral, that isn't usually because more than that 20% of your followers were shown it on their home feeds. It's usually because it made it onto the explore page and so a heap of people who don't already follow you were shown it too. That is why those sudden viral photos usually come with a spike of new followers as opposed to the photos that just do well with your existing audience which tend to sit around a consistent number. This is quite different to back in the day pre-algorithm when a really strong post maybe hit the right time when a lot of your audience was online could be seen by maybe up to 50% of your following. That means that however many followers you get you're always going to be reaching a relatively small percentage of them at any one time. That's whether you have 100 followers and only 20 of them see your post, or if you're someone huge with a million followers, but only 200,000 will get to see them. Is that the right maths? 20% anyway. And that is the percentage who will be shown the post. That is the amount of people it will appear on their timeline. So the amount who actually look at it when it's there, who will actually read the tweet or click on the picture and engage with it, that is always obviously going to be smaller still. And these are rough numbers, by the way, and it varies from platform to platform, but just to give you an idea. So let's compare that then to how many people read their emails. It's much easier to miss a tweet or an Instagram post that's on your home feed for a while than it is to miss an email in your inbox because those pictures or those posts will disappear down into the bottom of your home feed, whereas most people try and at least read all the emails that come into their inbox most days. The average open rate for this industry of ours is around about 30%, which is already 10% higher than that social media rate. And then depending on what you do and how good your emails are, you can get that way, way higher. My open rate is around about 65%, I think. So having a mailing list gives you a way more effective way to contact your audience. The capital you're building when you grow your Instagram account is not simply your reputation or that catalogue of images on your page, but it is that channel to communicate and contact your audience directly. That's why follow account matters. That's why I can go to big glossy magazines and ask to meet the editor for coffee and they say yes. It's not because they think I'm doing anything special, it's because they know I have a big audience that I can bring along to whatever I do. Do you remember Jono talking in episode was it episode six? Uh, And he spoke about how he can now sell his ceramics directly and the power that that gives back to creatives, the ability to sell directly to your audience and to not rely on other people promoting you anymore. That is the collateral you're building and that is what a mailing list helps you protect. So no matter how big or small, your audience is a really big asset that you have for your online business and we need to be protective of that. A mailing list gives you independent ownership of your audience. It means that if Instagram closed tomorrow or if your account got deleted or say Twitter went bust or even if you got sick and just couldn't update your blog or anything for six months and so everyone stopped reading, it means that you still have a way to get back in touch. And even if you found a new platform that was going to be the next big Instagram and you jumped ship from everything else, you would have a way to shout out to all those loyal followers who loved what you did on the previous platform and tell them where they could come and find you. It gives you an open and accessible line of communication no matter what happens. 
The other nice thing about a mailing list is it's really a distilled version of your true audience. If you listened last week to Tara talking about right people, then this should make a lot of sense to you because the people who are interested enough to head over to your website and click to sign up for your emails are really, truly invested in what you do. They know that you're a shop or they know that you're a recipe blogger or a photographer or whatever else and they're signing up for emails to hear more about that. So your mailing list might look a bit smaller than your numbers on social media, especially if you've been building your accounts up there for quite a while. But that makes sense because in part, what we're doing is cutting out all those passive observers who don't passionately want whatever it is we're offering. Likewise, for anyone who gets your emails for a while and then maybe clicks on subscribe, it's fine. Your mailing list becomes this super distilled, concentrated list of your right people and you have a way directly into their inboxes whenever you need it. The other thing is that mailing lists convert. This is especially important, obviously, if you're a shop or a business with something to sell. And there are plenty of statistics out there that really show that mailing lists convert into sales more than anything else. I have sold my last three e-courses just to my mailing list alone. So that's before I even got the chance to mention that they were on sale on social media. And also, of course, when you're emailing, you get to create this lovely layout full of pictures and links and testimonials and video and whatever else it is you want to share in a way that is a lot more difficult to do on a platform like Instagram, where they prefer to keep people within the app and they limit you to just that one little link in your profile. So increasingly, Facebook and Instagram, understandably, want you to pay for any posts that you're using to make money. I listened to a great episode of the Amy Porterfield podcast, which I will link to in the show notes. And she spoke to someone from Social Media Examiner who advises people to never promote anything on Facebook anymore unless it has an ad behind it. Because anything Facebook identifies as a sales post will be penalised by their algorithm and affect the visibility of all of your content on there. Well, I don't think we're quite there yet on Instagram. I'm pretty sure that there are mechanisms like that beginning to be used. So anyone who does sponsored content on Instagram has maybe noticed that when you add a hashtag like sponsored or hashtag ad, your post seems to get less traction. It seems to be less visible to people on things like the explore page. And that would not surprise me if Instagram were suppressing sponsored content because they are offering a direct competition to those brands. They would prefer that they were buying ads directly through them. So this can all sound a bit scary, but it doesn't need to be. You can still use Instagram and Facebook and Twitter as communication tools with your audience, but it's just important to have a backup plan and a mailing list can do that heavy lifting when it comes to things like sales so that you're not beholden to the platforms and any future changes they might decide to make. It just gives you a lot more wiggle room and security and kind of a bit of future proofing. So how? The good news is it is super, super easy to get started, even if you're not particularly tech savvy. The two big providers of this kind of service are called MailChimp and ConvertKit. Um, I started out and currently use MailChimp at the moment. I know a lot of bloggers prefer ConvertKit and a lot of people are moving over to that at the moment because it handles your list in slightly different ways. I'm going to talk mainly about MailChimp because I know it better, but do check out them both if you're thinking about subscribing. None of this is sponsored, it's just me talking from my own experience and experience of people I've worked with. MailChimp is free to use until you reach your first 1,000 subscribers, I think, and after that you just pay a monthly subscription based on how many people are on your list. And the good thing is you don't even need to have a website. There is a form that is on their site that you can direct your audience to. You can brand it so it looks like you and people can sign up there and put all their information in and you can start collecting it. 
If you do have a website, it's also really easy to add in a pop-up box or a quiet little sidebar form if that feels better for you. Um, just letting people know how they can sign up. And if you're on WordPress or Squarespace, it is super simple. It's just adding a plugin or a widget to your template, like maybe a half hour job total, and then you're set. So you can set it up and then you can tell people. And some folks will probably come over just from Instagram or just from wherever you're posting about it and sign straight up. If you have a pop-up box on your site, you'll definitely find a percentage of people will sign up just when they come through as regular traffic, maybe on their way to read a blog post or look at your shop. But if you're like me, I know I get a bit jaded about those freaking pop-up boxes and I have to be really, really keen to sign up for updates just based on a pop-up window. Um, I, my inbox is crazy and it takes a little bit to convince me that I want to add any more messages to that daily grind. So what you can do to help motivate people is offer a little incentive for signing up, which is sometimes called a lead magnet. A lead magnet is kind of like the carrot that you dangle to your audience in exchange for them taking the time to share their details and to sign up. So for example, a lot of the big name retailers will offer something like a 10% discount if you sign up to their emails. They know that having your email address is the best way that for them to contact you and get you to come back and shop with them some more. And so it's worth that 10% cut in their profit to have you sign up with them. But you don't have to offer a discount to encourage signups. So my biggest lead magnet is my free seven day guide to improving your Instagram. And I like to think it's a genuinely useful ebook that I wrote. It gets really good feedback from the people who've worked through it. And so I feel good and confident about using that as an incentive to get people to come and sign up. And in exchange for that, I've now built up a mailing list full of people who I know are interested in hearing more about my Instagram advice and who now have seen the kind of techniques I use and the way I teach and know a bit more about what I'm about. Now, this bit is really crucial because your lead magnet has to attract your right people. I have a friend who is an amazing interiors and event stylist. And kind of just by chance, her biggest lead magnet on her blog ended up being some free principles that she'd made for children. Now, they're awesome printables, they're gorgeous, and they have a really high value as an incentive. But the people who want free kids' activities are not necessarily the people who want to hire a stylist for their party. So your lead magnet has to be really relevant and useful, as well as being something that people want. So if you are a painter or an artist, maybe that's a desktop calendar using pieces of your work. If you're a writing coach, maybe it's a template for planning your next novel. And if you're a travel blogger, it could be a city guide or a photo walk map. And it can be one big thing like my ebook, and it can be smaller regular things too, like my monthly hashtag newsletters, both of which I'm going to put in the show notes, by the way, if you would like to sign up for either of those. And it can be like bonus as an addition to a blog post even. And if you're using something like MailChimp or ConvertKit, it makes it really simple. You can just set it up to automatically send out that lead magnet whenever anybody signs up so that it is a completely automated process and you don't have to think about it. So how to use it? Once you've got this list that you're slowly building, then what on earth are you going to do with it? The official advice from all those people who are way more qualified than me to talk about mailing lists is that you should use it regularly. So once a month or so, send out a newsletter letting people know what you've been doing or any updates you've got to your shop or what they might have missed on your blog. So they get used to hearing from you and they get used to opening your emails regularly. And that is something that's really easy to do. You can create really nice looking emails in something like MailChimp using the templates they have. And if you have the time, it's a great thing to do. But for a lot of the people I work with, like Jono, that model doesn't quite fit. So maybe you don't have new work every month, or maybe you're just not in a place to start writing a monthly newsletter on top of all of your existing commitments. 
And this is where I kind of go against the grain of that more traditional online marketing advice, because I say collect those addresses anyway, just start saving them up for a rainy day just in case, and really just use it however feels right for you. And yes, you might get a reduced open rate this way, but it's still better than nothing. So now if you have a shop, it's much easier to understand why you would need a mailing list. People don't buy from Instagram. They will find you on there, they'll get to know you on there, and you can really build a relationship. But for that actual final step and the sale, you need to get them over onto your website at the right time when the product is available. And email is obviously a much better tool for doing that. You only have to think about how many links have you clicked on Instagram this week. For me, it's usually one or two. And then how many links have I clicked from my inbox? Mm, More than that just today. So we are much more used to clicking through from our inboxes and it just seems to be part of our workflow a bit differently when we're reading email to versus when we're in an app like Instagram, which has really got us trained to stay within the app and keep consuming the content that's there. Two things to be mindful of when you do contact your mailing list are giving and taking. So a take is the thing that you probably feel a little bit awkward about. That might be telling people that your new stock is in or announcing your new e-course or maybe requesting that they vote for you in some upcoming blogger awards or something. And a give, on the other hand, is something of value that you send kind of just to be nice. So for me, that's my monthly hashtag newsletters, but it could be advice or lessons that you just share with your mailing list subscribers. It could be video tutorials or sneak previews or behind the scenes. It's something that doesn't really make you money and it doesn't translate to an obvious gain for you. For me, the secret to feeling okay about sending out sales emails when I need to, and to also having subscribers that actually open my emails and care about what I have to say, is in finding the right balance between that give and take. So if your emails have value all in their own right, then even if occasionally people open a sales email that's not right for them at that time, they're not going to just unsubscribe and forget about you because the rest of what you're delivering has a real value in their life. That being said, don't be afraid to take. So my mailing list is pretty big. It costs me around about, I think, $160 a month now to maintain it. And if I was just using that to send out my free hashtag emails, then it would be losing me money and really not gaining me very much. So you need to be clear in your head about what it is you want your mailing list to do for you, whether that's drive traffic or earn you an income or support your work in some way. And you need to get really clear about that by the time you reach that 1000 subscribers and start paying for your subscription plan. It will not cost you $160 at 1000 subscribers, by the way. (laughs) It stages you up very gradually. And remember that email is a two-way street. So one tip I got from Tara is to actively ask for replies to your email sometimes. And the responses are amazing. I think in an age of DMs and notifications and tweets, it's easy to forget the power of an actual email conversation with your audience. And it's actually an incredibly useful way of gathering information about what they'd like to see more of or what problems they're struggling with and what they might think of your work at the moment. One thing to mention is there are legal requirements with a mailing list. So whenever you're dealing with people's personal contact details, like their email address, it's super important to make sure that you're protecting that data and you're acting within the law. You have to store the data securely. You have to disclose certain information in all of your email messages, and you have to provide a really clear and easy way for people to unsubscribe whenever they want to, as well as a few other things. So The other great thing about using a provider like MailChimp or ConvertKit is that they will automatically sort all of that out for you. It's automatically included in anything you send out. Do be aware that with MailChimp, this means that the postal address that you input when you set up a profile appears at the bottom of every one of your emails. So be careful what address you put in there. 
because obviously not everybody wants to share their home address with the entire internet. (laughs) Now you know why it's important and hopefully you have an idea about how it might be helpful to you going forwards. I'll include links to all of the full legal responsibilities you have both for the UK and for the US on the show notes. As always, I'm really interested and excited to hear what your thoughts are on this topic. If you think it's applicable to you, if you disagree with me for some reason, uh, you can find me on Twitter where I'm at me and Orla or on Instagram where you can find me by searching for that same name. And the hashtag I'm using is hashtag, hashtag authentic. So hashtag symbol, then hashtag authentic. You can head over to the show notes at my blog. That's meandorla.co.uk forward slash podcast eight. And you'll also see various sign-up boxes there if you'd like to subscribe to my mailing list now that you know why it's so important. There are links there to all the things I've talked about today and I'm also including a transcript of this episode because I know that that's helpful for some people. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a brilliant week. Bye.